Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff, and today I want to talk about the rear body lock. I also want to talk about some changes I've made. What's up, guys? In today's episode, I want to talk about a technique I've been working on the past couple of months, the rear body lock. I think this is a technique you should add to your game. I'll explain why in a second, but I want to start with some of the changes I've made recently. The first big change I've made is that I'm no longer a member of Flow Grappling. I know some of you are shocked right now. If you know me or if you've been listening to this podcast for long, you know that I try to catch every major grappling event. If some of the marquee people are competing, I've tried to watch it. I like to watch it as a fan, and I like to watch it just to see what the best people are doing. See what the top techniques are that are being used at the highest level competition so I can add to my game and my students' games. Now, let me start with the positives. I still think Flow Grappling is a phenomenal database to study tape. So if you're really looking for tape of Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, I mean, the list goes on and on. They've got everybody. And so you can watch hours upon hours of footage, and that will definitely help you get better. I also think Flow Grappling has done a good job over the past four or five years. Since I think I've been a member since about five years ago. Um, but anyways... I think they've done a good job of pushing our sport to the next level, but I'm starting to have doubts if they can carry it any further. I think somebody else is going to come along and they're going to take the torch from Flow Grappling and they are going to propel grappling to that next stage. But Flow's done good. Um, I just don't know how much more they can do, especially with the paywall. And I just feel like their events haven't really been that good, if I'm being honest. And so that's what I really want to talk about. And that's the main reason that I am un- have unsubscribed. So in reality, I didn't cancel. I just didn't renew my membership. I changed credit cards about six months ago, and I get billed by Flow yearly. So I was supposed to get billed about four weeks ago. And since I have a new credit card, they don't have my new information, and the charge didn't go through. So I went on to watch a match. I wanted to, to rewatch a match. And I couldn't get access behind the paywall. So I was like, oh, man, I need to pay for the yearly subscription again. And the only option was to do a yearly membership. And I know so many people have had gripes about that in the past. And I've kind of always overlooked. I've always been Mr. Positive when it comes to flow grappling. I've done a lot of podcasts where I tell you guys to support grappling, to get flow. It's worth it. Um, but now I'm, I'm in a lot of your shoes where I'm like, ah, I don't want to pay for a year. I really just want to use it month to month basis, use it when I need it. Because honestly, for the past few months, I've barely been watching flow, been using other resources to study. And thinking back the past year, so if we look at 2021, like November, 2021 to today, November 13th. 2022, there's been four major events on flow grappling. You have the East and West Coast Trials, ADCC Championships, so the actual ADCC event, and then the WNO Championship Series, which was over the course of one weekend. I think there were seven, eight-man brackets. Winner received $35,000. All four of those events were absolutely incredible. ADCC trials are always banging. You see the top talent. There's always huge upsets. You see just people coming out of nowhere. 
to do really, really well in these humongous brackets. I mean, some of those brackets are 264 people. Obviously, ADCC 2023 was legendary. We saw Gordon Ryan make history. We saw Cade Rutolo really kind of step out of his brother's shadow and, I mean, proclaim himself as the best under 170-pound grappler on earth. We saw Nicholas Marigali do well. Craig Jones and Nicky Rod killed it. Um, it. It was a really, really good event. And then, like I said, the WNO might have been the best. I mean, some of the matches that happened over the course of that weekend were just insane. I mean, both Rutolos were ex- as exciting as always. Tim Spriggs coming out of nowhere to win the heavyweight division. Thor had a six submission on Jacob Couch. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. But outside of those four events, so I'm talking about one calendar, like a year, a calendar year outside of those events, I can't think of any other good events that occurred on Flow Grappling. Most of them were honestly pretty bad if you just look at some of the huge cards that they put together and how they ended up panning out i mean you'll look at almost all of them and go they were a major disappointment not just like eh, it was okay it was no it was a major disappointment and as the year comes uh, winding down i always assess i like to assess um, how the year went and things that i want to carry over into the next year so 2023 what i want to carry over and what areas do i want to change and so obviously with flow like do i want to continue a flow membership do i want to pay another 150 dollars? how much am i using it was i satisfied have i been satisfied with what flow has been providing and the answer is just no and a lot of that is honestly due to the athletes more so than flow because flow has tried they've put together really good cards But there's just so many matches I can think of that were so terrible to watch. Just terrible. And I just feel like I've wasted so much time watching bad grappling. Yeah, I get it. They're some of the best people in the world. They've got the names. They've got a lot of accomplishments. But man, these are 15-minute matches. And I mean, we're barely seeing any jujitsu a lot of the times. And so let's say there is seven matches on a WNO card. I mean, maybe two of them will be good. The two more will be okay. And then generally three of them will just be unwatchable. What kind of sealed the deal for me was Friday there was another WNO event. And I can't remember who was supposed to headline, but it ended up being Maya Sebastos versus Brianna Steemarie. And honestly, Maya Bastos is really boring to watch. So I wasn't that interested, but somebody had it on at the gym and I just happened to catch the second match of the card and it was a females match. There was a Pedigo representative and I can't remember the other, the other young lady uh, where she was from, but it was just an awful match. Girl pulled guard immediately, got the Pedigo girl in her closed guard and she just held a body triangle the entire match. The match ended up going to a decision. It was just terrible. She had a body triangle the entire match. Ten minutes in, she still was in the close guard with the body triangle. Now, she ended up finding the back, but at the same time, it was so boring. Like, I was rooting so hard against her, and I just knew then. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't care who they, you know, they announced that, oh, well, don't you want to watch Felipe versus Gordon 4? No, I don't. I don't care about that match, honestly. Well, don't you want to watch Craig versus... Nicholas Marigali, no, I I just, I'm done with it for right now. And so I'm thinking like, am I going to subscribe again in the near future? I don't think so. 
I think a lot of what's changed my perspective is since I've been getting so much more involved with MMA and I've been studying a lot of MMA and been watching a lot of other martial arts like Muay Thai and then boxing, wrestling, judo, and especially like watching Muay Thai and MMA, it's just 10 times more exciting than most jiu-jitsu matches. Now, don't get me wrong. You put the Rutolos in a match, it competes with any, any of the MMA fights and Muay Thai fights, for me, that is. I think watching them, like, it's so exciting. And there's some guys like that. You know, Gary Tonin, even though he lost his match at ADCC, that match for Sam, Mc, um, Sam McNally was incredible, one of my favorite matches. And so when those guys are competing, it stacks up against everybody, like any martial art, any sport, anybody in the world. Like, I love watching NBA, but I don't like watching the Rutolos just as much as I like watching Jean Morant. But... Most grapplers, I'm telling you, I just, I could name so many matches throughout this year that I just was like, oh my God, what, what am I doing? Why am I watching this? <laughs> so that's the first big change. The second, this is something I wanted to address because I, I've done a couple of strength and conditioning podcasts and I've been pretty negative about the deadlift, about how, you know, I never or I haven't been deadlifting and I, I just don't feel like it's the best movement for jujitsu a lot of that being it's risk versus reward factor and I've listened to a lot of podcasts talking about the deadlift but honestly I've, I've went back to the deadlift over the past couple of months and I feel so much better doing it. and the biggest reason is because I've increased my mobility since I've been doing that Ramwad, I did an episode a couple of months ago talking about Ramwad, this stretching routine that I've been doing. And man, since I've been doing that, my flexibility in my hips and my hamstrings are so much better. And I can just get into the deadlift position. So I think a lot of my issues and a lot of my negativity came around my own limitations. Limitations that I had created from not doing a mobility, uh, not doing mobility work. Just wasn't able to get into the position properly and I'd feel it more in my back than in my legs you know especially the heavier I'd go and a lot of that was me ego lifting you know because I wanted to be able to do 225 for reps I definitely want to be able to do 315 but since I've been doing this mobility I've been able to you know get into the position much much better so I'm much more kinetically aligned and I've uh, I've done 315 now for multiple reps and it feels pretty good. I don't feel it in my back. So I'm very happy about that. And yeah, I just wanted to talk, say that to really stress like sometimes like your limitations um, in an exercise is due to your mobility. And that was definitely my case for the deadlift. The last thing, the last change I've made about 12 days ago now, I just went ahead and deleted my Instagram app. So I haven't been on Instagram for 12 days. And I got to say that this is the best thing that I've done. I was getting sick and tired of Instagram. Now, why? The biggest reason that I was just done with Instagram was because I was so sick and tired of just being lied to. I was somebody like, look, I liked scrolling through different posts and different feeds and, and seeing, you know, really cool facts or beautiful scenery and all that stuff. But I just felt like I was being fed lies constantly. I was constantly looking up like, you know, whether it was somebody making uh, a post like, like today, for instance, somebody came up to me, one of, uh, one of my students came up to me and was like, Hey, do you know that, um, what's his name? Pereira, Alex Pereira just retired. 
Like, look at this quote. He said that he only came into MMA to beat Israel Adesanya. And now that he's done it, he's given it up and going back to kickboxing. And I knew immediately that it wasn't true. But, of course, I had to just make sure. I mean, I listened to the post-fight press presser, and I listened to both those guys talk. Anyways, I still had to look it up. And that's just a small example. That's just from today. But I was constantly, whether it was about UFOs or about Trump saying this or Biden saying that, or there's just so much false information being spread. I was just sick and tired of just seeing it, honestly. That and then also just feeling targeted by ads. Any conversation I had, the next time I got on Instagram, my ads would be, centered around that conversation, especially if I ended up talking about a product. So if somebody was mentioning coffee to me, I'd get an espresso machine or a coffee mug or a thermal. And if, you know, it just, you guys know, you have the internet, you know about targeted ads. And between those two things, I just was like, look, I need a break. I'm sick and tired of just constantly feeling like I'm reading false news, fake news. And so I'm off it. If you guys want to contact me, I don't really know what to say because I'm not really on any social media right now. Um, I'm really have like no access to news other than like people telling me, like, I didn't know somebody was saying that Rumble Johnson died and I was kind of shocked. I was like, man, I don't know. I hear about that. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not on social media. So I used to just get on social media and that's how I would see like something, a news like that. Like, oh man, this person died or there was a school shooting or, you know, Biden did this or Trump said that. But now I have none of it. So I have no clue what's going on and it's been really, really nice. So I don't know how long I'll be off social media. It could be a long time. It could be, I don't know, until next week. But it's definitely something I'm looking to keep going and possibly for a long time. But now let's get into the technique because this is really important to me that I'm constantly bringing you guys new ideas and new things that I'm working on that hopefully you can plug into your games and improve. Nothing's cooler than getting messages from people and them saying like, hey, like that podcast on the back or that podcast on side control escapes like really helped me. And so I wanted to talk about a technique that I think – you're starting to see a lot more in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You've seen it forever in wrestling, and that is the rear body lock. Now, I really want to talk about the rear body lock for Jiu-Jitsu's sake, like how you can use it in rolling, not in a wrestling sense, in MMA. Because there's tons of uh, footage of seeing people get rear body locks and using that, in, as I said, in MMA and wrestling. But for you guys, I, I want to stick to this, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu aspect and the one area that I think it's crucial to have. So let's say you're going against somebody and they go into the turtle position. Now there's a bunch of different ways to play the turtle, but I want you to imagine you're going against somebody that's really good defensively, that's really hard to open up. So once they get into the turtle position, a lot of times they'll play a really tight turtle. And what I mean by that is that They'll bring their elbows inside their knees. They'll tuck their chin. And it feels like it's pretty much impossible to get any opening on them, right? You can't insert your hooks for the back. It's really tough. You can't even put a seatbelt in because they've kind of crisscrossed their hands in front. So if you try to get an over-under and come through, you, you can't do that either. 
and you feel kind of stuck. Now, they're not really escaping or doing anything, but it's just it's really tough to penetrate and, and get any type of offense going. Well, this is where I've been having a lot of success using the rear body lock. Because you can always get a spiral ride on somebody. So you can always get at least one underhook. The issue has been actually securing the seatbelt. Because they're crisscross and they're ready to intercept the hand as it comes across their face because you're trying to get your hands together for the seatbelt, they just they win that battle. And it's super frustrating. So instead of doing that, just go ahead and take the double under position. So you've already got your far side underhook. Now just get a near side underhook. And this is where things um, get really interesting. Because you can get your hands inside and you can get a gable grip. I actually prefer a pretzel grip whenever I am going for either a pretzel or butterfly grip. But from this position, I prefer the pretzel grip. The pretzel grip is essentially just an upside down gable grip. You can see videos. I'm pretty sure there's, there's videos of YouTube on this grip. It's a, t it's a grip that's used a lot um, for arm and guillotines. I'm pretty sure Denny Prokopos is the guy in 10th Planet that was first using the pretzel grip. I don't know where it came from. I just remember it from Denny Prokopos because he would use that grip for his arm and guillotines. And I know some other grapplers that use that grip for their arm and guillotines, but I've been using it for my rear body lock, and I really, really like it. Now, here's the thing that's really cool. Once you get that position, it's super dominant, right? But what you can do is you can use that rear body lock to force. You can push weight and force weight into the upper body, which forces the turtle to open. It'll open that space between the knee and elbow, which will then allow you to put in a single hook. So you can go into a single hook ride, and then from there you have so many options. You can ride this position. You can start turking the leg and ride this position like you would like as a wrestler in MMA and just stay on top. You can turn it into a truck, or you can actually switch to a seatbelt. After you tilt them forward and put that weight there, there's so much space. After you get your one hook in, you can go and you can put in a seatbelt. If you get really good and you start getting really good and comfortable in the position, it's actually really easy to start transitioning into crucifixes because people have to base on their, like open their elbows and their hands out so they just don't keep falling on their face. Like if somebody just tries to stay super tight right there, you'll just ram their face into the ground. Like they have to base. Because they base, it opens a lot of space. And then you can start attacking how you want. So this has been an amazing trick for me. And I really think you should consider adding it. Now, the rear body lock can be used in a bunch of other situations, obviously on the feet, uh, in wrestling and MMA, as I was explaining. But you can also use it after you take the back. So a lot of times, uh, like one of the most like popular back escapes is guys will try to get two-on-one grips on your choking arm. So just imagine you're in a seatbelt. You've taken the back. Let's say you're doing an EBIOT round. You've got your right arm as your choking arm. A lot of times, the defender will try and get a two-on-one on that arm. And what they'll do is they'll get control, and then they'll extend that arm straight over their head. So they'll try and push it up. Just imagine that. I'm sure you've encountered that by now. If you've been training for you know any time over a year, I'm sure you've taken the back and somebody has done this escape to you. And it can be really frustrating. So they break your connection. You're trying to get your hand back. You lose chest connection. 
and they rotate their shoulders and now they're on top or they're scrambling and you're losing position. So instead, when you feel somebody try to go for a two-on-one, all you have to do is take out your choking arm and you can go into a rear body lock. I've talked about the rear body lock as a strategy for EBI over time in the past. Like I've seen guys like Hulk Barboza and Kyle Bame utilize it. I'm pretty sure um, Pat Shigoli utilized it. So a lot of guys will, will use it um, to get extra ride time, and there's definitely a time and place for it. And where we've been looking at it is for when people try to use that escape. So instead of freaking out and trying to get your choking arm back, just simply break the grip and pummel underneath. Don't go back over top. If you try and go back for the choke, they're just going to two-on-one you. In EBI, it's all about ride time. And so we have to make sure we're securing ride time. So we just go simply to the double-unders. Then we ride the position. We only go back to the seatbelt once we've gotten a, um, a body triangle. So if you have the body triangle, you can release the double-unders, but you definitely don't release the double-unders if you just have regular hooks or single hook or um, definitely don't do it if you feel like you're losing both hooks. You got to keep that. Um, you got to keep that rear body lock and you've got to chair sit to, to refine your leg positioning and only go back to looking for the choke if you have the body triangle. Now... I think something I've been thinking a lot about, especially with MMA, is that once the fight hits the ground, most people are going to try to get back to their feet. Now, there's two ways to get back to your feet. One is a technical stand-up. The other is turning away and going uh, into a stand-up from the turtle position. You see the, both of these utilized in MMA. Honestly, most of the time right now, you're seeing people just show their back They'll just go to their knees like turtle very briefly, and then they'll just try and stand back up. In both cases, the body lock is really important and can be a really good tool. Off a technical stand-up, um, you know, you can put the body lock in and you can try and smash. Or if guys turn, you go into the rear body lock. And so we've been also looking at both of those strategies. Um, you know, like using like, oh, somebody's trying to, to technical stand-up, go to the body lock and then get the Dagestani, uh, you know, or the Khabib grip. And utilize that to dominate the position and use ground and pound to progress until you're in the mount. Or if they try to turn, then we're going into a rear body lock series. But definitely be on the lookout for that. I was told it was cool. Like I was teaching this series um, this week and I had a couple people message me and tell me that Ethan Krillinston at this Who's Number One event actually finished um, his opponent with the sequence, you know, he used double underhooks to take the back, then transitioned into a seatbelt and finished with the choke. I didn't watch the match. That's what I was told. And I think that's pretty cool. So you're starting to see that a lot more and just be on the lookout for it. Cause I think it's a super underutilized by most jujitsu players, but I think a lot of the top level people are starting to add it in. It's just something you see a lot at high level wrestling and high level MMA. And if those guys are doing it, then it's definitely a tool that we can use. And especially for you people out there that struggle attacking the turtle, especially against people that play super defensive and like a super tight turtle. Give this a try. Try to utilize the, the rear body lock, open them up, 
make sure make sure you're driving weight to their hand so after you get the rear body lock drive the weight, their weight forwards you'll see it'll open that space up you can then start putting in a single hook which is going to be the near side hook or you can start trying to get like a Khabib grip and like pull the hand or like dominate the wrists you can start thinking about crucifixes there's a lot you can do from there Till next time, guys, um, I appreciate all of you. Have a great rest of the week. Peace.